The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. And welcome, welcome, welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show with Michelle Juwando. Coming to you every Thursday. Always great to be here and be a part of the Leslie Marshall family. If you want to join in the conversation, go ahead and give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. So I guess it's been a week or nine days, I, days you guys I just uh, I am still trying to figure it all out and I'm really excited because and I think I shared with you guys last time right now the only way I can adult um, as they say is when I'm around safe spaces so I brought all my friends <laughs> who <laughs> do amazing work in their own circles for us to unpack this so joining us in studio is Rebecca Thompson she is the host of Changing the face of power the first and only podcast in the country dedicated to inspiring black women to run for office you can find her on twitter at candidacy c-a-n-d-i-d-a-c-y coach rebecca welcome to the show Michelle, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am Fatima Goss-Graves. She is the Senior Vice President for Programs at the National Women's Law Center, friend of the show. You can find her on Twitter at F Goss, G-O-S-S, Graves, G-R-A-V-E-S. Fatima, welcome back. Thank you, Michelle. Hello. And last but definitely not least is Joy Cheney. She is the Campaign Manager at Equal Pay Today. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at equal pay number two day or at J O I T W E E T S. Joy, welcome back. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks for having me back. All right, ladies. So let's just get into it. And I and I wanted to start this conversation because there's been a lot of the autopsies are happening. Um, but this week, uh, Melissa Harris Perry, um, who many of us know, work with, are fans of, uh, put out an article on L saying Democrats have questions. Black women are the answer, and in it she says the influence and history of the black woman voter is unpacked, and she explains that Trump's victory was not surprising when taking into consideration, among other factors that his performance during the primary and the fact that white women historically have voted for the Republican nominee. Bush got 55%, McCain 53%, and Romney 56%. White women in this election voted for Donald Trump at 53%. But the shock came because the nominee was not a Bush or McCain or a Romney. It was Donald Trump. And that somehow the white kind of feminist sisterhood would override kind of traditional notions of who a Republican voter or who a voter would be, and therefore we would see kind of a different turnout, especially when you were talking about someone with a checkered history of sexual assault and discrimination and using really hateful rhetoric, and that was just not the case. So, Rebecca, I want to start with you because you this is what you do all the time, former... Um, I, I'm always just going to call you an elected official because you, <laughs> you have that. Uh, but but how, how do we begin to unpack some of this? You know, I, I've i been struggling mm -hmm. for the past week and some change. And the only thing that has given me hope 
is black women hmm. and knowing that so did anybody see that meme that was like you know election day is like a group project and you're like look I know I did my part I don't know about the rest <laughs> of y'all food yeah. and I feel like that's what it always is for black women that we are always showing up we are always doing the work we're doing the hard work and 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 I hate to say that women or white women let us down because I feel like you know, there have always been instances where white women didn't show up, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't fight for us in the same way. We we show up on election day and are voting for our kids and our family and our country. And other folks show up to vote for their own self-interest. And mm-hmm. so I just think that despite the horror of the election results, the, the bright, shiny spot is that black women are continuing to show up and they're stepping up and they have decided to run. And Mm -hmm. so I think 2017, 2018, 2020, our country will look very differently because black women will say, all right, we got this and we will will get us there. Yeah. And Joy and Fatima, you both um, are so a part of kind of what we consider the kind of women's movement um, in this country. Joy, I'll start with you since you just came from another one of these countless meetings we've been (laughs) in. Kind of what is your autopsy What's kind of been the feeling on the ground? Well, I spent election day in Orange County, Florida, Mm -hmm. where I'm from, Orlando, and it felt different. Orange County is a progressive county in the I-4 corridor, and I think we were feeling very good. And to Rebecca's point, mostly African-American women were coming through the door, and Latino women with their families. Um, We were starting to get the sense, however, that that was not the case as we talked to our non our people of non-color our white colleagues our our cousins our friends and you know my autopsy is similar to rebecca's i'm hopeful that african american women have showed up and that we're starting to run what my concern is is that sometimes we show up on faith alone mm. without real evidence that um, they that the people we've showed up for have earned it. Now I believe mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton had earned it. Right, right. But still, the de- I don't know if the Democratic Party has earned it. That's right? right. That's right. And so I think as we go forward, now that we know African American women are we we've known for a long time, but we understand it now mm-hmm. because it's in such deep juxtaposition to what others did. Mm-hmm. I think we've got to be demanding something, not only running, but then showing up to the table and saying, this is what we require mm-hmm. in order for us not to primary you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in yeah. order for mm-hmm. us this to continue to show up. We're That's always right. going to vote, but the question is, who are we going to vote for? And, and, who, do we and who we support will win. That's right. Fatima. Yeah, I'm still dissecting this in yeah. my head and in my I, and beyond, but I will say two things. The First is that I anyone whose diagnostic assessment says that the Democrats ran on the wrong issues or that we should no longer center any of the interests of people of color, they're just flat wrong. That's right. And That's so right. I That's think right. that has to be called out immediately. What we know is that uh, it wasn't an election that was about issues. Right. And where issues were put directly to voters, right. those issues won. Mm-hmm. Minimum wage was increased. Mm-hmm. We know that paid sick day ballot measures passed. So this wasn't an, a, a, uh, a this wasn't a rejection on a lot of mm-hmm. issues that that mattered to women and their families. And the second thing is that I think 
Joy, you are exactly right that we learn that black women show up and will show up in uh, large numbers and at, and vote in rates that are higher than everyone else, even an election that was as ugly as this one. Uh, but it would be a huge mistake to just count on that. That's okay. right. And I think that any efforts to make it sound like, okay, we got black women, we know they'll show up, let's not <laughs> right, worry about right, them, that's right. heading in the exact Opposite wrong direction. direction. No, I, I think, you know, the point that you all reiterated that's just so powerful is that black women showed up, but that is not a part of any of the autopsies. When you read the media, um, when you read much of the articles, it is, again, a place where you kind of feel marginalized. And I think part of my struggle is I do feel like Hillary Clinton earned it. I don't know if all Democrats do. Right. I, I do know that there are some black conservatives who said, you know, Michelle, part of the reason I'm giving Trump a chance is because I don't feel like the Democratic Party shows up. And we've seen that. And you know what? Before I said that that was crazy. But now... <laughs> Now I'm like, I guess I kind of understand it. I still think it's depressing yeah. to elect someone like a Donald Trump, but it's just a little nuts. So we're going to, well, Joy, I'll give you 30 seconds and then we'll go to break. I will say, you know, it's, I'm a huge fan of President Obama and mm -hmm. worked in that administration. What I did find on the ground is there were a lot of African-Americans, whatever party or mm -hmm. uh, they affiliated with, who said they felt like they had not gotten anything mm -hmm. from the Obama administration and I went yeah. down on my talking points about yeah, how yeah. that is not true but I do think what is true is that in addition, we may have been working on issues that impacted the African-American community positively, but we didn't show them the respect of talking to them mm. and saying, this is what we did for you because you've always been there for us. Mm -hmm. I think we have to make the connection for people. Yeah, I think that's so right. And when we come back, I want to have a conversation a little bit about values and who we value and who we put at the center of these policy conversations. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show with my guest, Rebecca Thompson, Joy. Cheney and Fatima Goss-Graves will be right back after the break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. coming to you every Thursday from 3 to 4. Always great to be with you. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. I'm back in studio with my guests, Rebecca Thompson, Fatima Goss-Graves, and Joy Cheney. So, Rebecca, you kind of were sharing during the break, you know, that in some ways this has been a kind of really mourning that people have felt, um, but you've experienced that personally, losing a really close election by six votes. What can you give us to kind of open up the shades and get it together? Oh, 
So I ran for state representative in 2014 in Detroit. I actually, I spent a number of years working and living in Washington. I was one of those people who came here, wanted to learn about politics, you know, get Obama elected. And then I was so inspired that I knew I needed to leave D.C. and go back home to do that. And I ran against an eight-time convicted felon who, as a sitting state representative, was sued for sexual harassment for forcing his staff member to have sex to keep their job. So not unlike Donald Trump, right? I mean, mm. just a really, it, it was it was no choice. I mean, it, was a, it should have been a very clear cut election. And it wasn't. And I was devastated. Mm -hmm. And um, two years later, when I was not on the ballot, he was charged with four more new felonies and Mm -hmm. now is facing life in prison as a habitual offender. And he is our state representative. And so for people to say, you know, hey, you should have run again. When I saw Wednesday's results, my heart bled for Hillary Clinton because mm-hmm. I cannot imagine losing an election at that scale. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine winning the popular vote and losing, mm-hmm. you know, an electoral college. But there were also lots of women who were unsuccessful on Tuesday. And mm-hmm. so my heart bled for those women as well. And so that, you know, two, three years later, I needed to lose that election because there was something that needed to shift in my universe mm. that would send me on a very different course. I was not supposed to be in the legislature. And I now know that it's my life's mission to train and help other black women to run for elected office. So I, I hope, though, that something good comes out of Hillary losing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that more women, more people of color, more immigrants, more LGBT folks than ever will be inspired to go into politics because Donald Trump is our president. So mm. I think that loss had to happen for that shift to happen in the country. Fatima, you spent a lot of time kind of moving, and the Law Center does a lot of amazing work on um, everything from Title IX to issues around uh, equal pay. Kind of what is your takeaway? How are you trying to kind of move forward after this election? Well, the one thing that I know is that at the Law Center, we could only spend a few moments in in sort of deep mourning about what could have been because we had to get ready to work. Right. Uh, and, it, you know, we are thinking about the fact that uh, women's access to health care point blank and reproductive health care in particular is going to be under attack. We had to think about that our civil rights protections at work, at school, you know, where you live, that those things were going to be directly under attack. We had to think about what it means to uh, when Donald Trump says that he is going to appoint someone to the Supreme Court with the hopes that that person will work to overturn Roe v. Wade. You know, all of that was front and center. Uh, and we have been inundated with calls. And I mm. put those calls in two categories. We've, we've been getting calls with people who are really afraid, mm-hmm. afraid that they're going to lose their health care, afraid about what it means that uh, this country and where and that they're experiencing the sort of hate and violence at, at the schools where their children go, where they worship. Mm-hmm. We've also, though, and this has been really inspiring, been getting a lot of calls from people saying, how do I help? Sign me up. Here's some money. Here's here's my time. I want to get engaged. And that has been really exciting to me because I think, you know, maybe it was too late for last week, <laughs> but there's been an awakening in this country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joy? 
Similarly, um, Equal Pay Today, of which National Women's Law Center is part, had to get to work, right? Our members are at work. We are an organization that focuses a lot on state-based organizations, and we have a roundtable with national ones, but we focus a lot on the states. And just when we thought we have to make sure that people know we're still relevant, this happened. Mm. We are very relevant, yeah, and we will be working at the federal level, but we will also be finding ways to make advances and drive forward at the state level where we can find relationship and partnership. Um, going forward this year and really building on what was a rather successful year in 2016. Mm -hmm. So the the prospects of getting it all done may not be there anymore, Mm -hmm. but we have to be on defense at the federal level and looking for opportunities where there may be some. But we also know that we're going to have to focus and reinvest in states. Hear me there, funders. Um, reinvest mm-hmm. in states. That's right. In state organizations. And also making sure state organizations are doing not only their legal work and their policy work, but also their organizing work. Because we have to talk to people. We have to listen to people. And we have to make sure they understand the nexus between what we're doing and their lives. That's right. And that, I think, was a little bit of a missed opportunity. I think we assumed too much. About that mistake people. should That's never so be true. made again. That's true. Um, okay, everybody, give me your one-sentence tweet that you send out for our listeners after this conversation. Uh, Rebecca, you go first. Oh, uh, a that's a good one. I don't even know if this is 140 characters, but I think about this is not the time to organize white women and white people. Mm. Uh, that is the narrative that I keep hearing from people, and I feel like it is the absolute worst place to go. I think now is the time to really go deep into communities, into states where we're talking to low-income people of color, talking to all folks, but not to miss the ball, that it's black folks and people of color that were not talked to in a way that they needed to. And I do not want that to be the conversation that funders begin to have Mm -hmm. because that's what I'm hearing. I've been in D.C. for the last couple days with national organizations, and and everybody's asking, and they're saying, and the funders want to know, and and I really hope that's not the direction that people go. Your tweet, Joy. Oh, boy. 40 characters I'm never good at, but (laughs) we'll say this. I think that we are the answer. Mm. It's not going to be a leader um, that's outside of the leader that we see in the morning. It makes a difference what you do in your workplace. It makes a difference what you do in your home, in your community organization. Mm. And uh, if you care about uh, the issues that progressives care about, you know. And for Tina, we have to do. you have to give me 10 seconds. Okay. Right. Stand up and stand together. All right. There we go. We did it. This is Michelle Jawando. I'll be right back after the break with our next guest. Many thanks to Rebecca, Fatima, and Joy. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE.
Welcome back. Welcome back. This is the Leslie Marshall Show with Michelle Jawando. Always great to be with you every Thursday from 3 to 4 talking about the latest and greatest. If you want to give us a call, go ahead. Use the number 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Or you can follow the conversation on Twitter at Leslie Marshall or at Michelle with one L, Jawando. I'm excited and I think I shared earlier with you that during this time when I am still in mourning, the only way I'm getting through is with my friends who are kind of a safe space for us to kind of figure this out and kind of really do an autopsy. And I'm really excited because this is a power couple. It's also one of my oldest friends who introduced me to my husband. So I love her in a very special way. Um, but a power couple nonetheless that are really working on how we build a real reflective pipeline of who the next progressive leaders will be in this country. So I'm happy to welcome to the show uh, Stephanie Brown James. She is the CEO and founding partner of Vested Strategies. You can find her on Twitter at Steph, S-T-E-F-B-R-O-W-N, James, J-A-M-E-S, and also her equally talented husband, Quentin James. He's also the co-founder and COO of Vestage Strategies. You can find him on Twitter at Q James, J-A-M-E-S. So Steph and Q, let's just start the conversation. I mean, this is what you, what we all do full time all the time. How are you processing Tuesday? I don't know if I completely uh, have processed it, to be very honest. Um, You know, we were on the road for the past uh, month uh, engaging black millennials uh, along with the BET College Tour. And, you know, I know there's science out there that says yard signs don't vote. Um, But I I can't tell you the the reality of seeing so many, um, you know, Trump yard signs or or candidate yard signs um, in heavily Democratic places like Cleveland or Miami or Raleigh Durham or Charlotte mm-hmm. um, it was just really eye opening mm. and everyone was like ah oh, don't worry about it you know these these things don't matter you know we're going to win this things in the bag um, but I can tell you there there was a huge movement out there that I think we just completely underestimated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steph yeah I can you know I, I told myself I'm not going to watch the results all night like I'm not going to do that to myself even though I really did believe that Secretary Clinton was going to pull it out. I just knew, like, I don't know. This mm. is this. I kind of had a pit in my stomach. <laughs> I went to bed about ten o'clock because mm. we had just gotten off the road from right. the college tour, so I was exhausted. And I started getting text messages like, "Is this really going down?" And I'm like, "Oh no, don't worry." <laughs> and then one o'clock in the morning, I, I I woke up and I'm and I and I saw a text message from a friend that said, "Oh." S the, the, yeah. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> the full and I the I turn on the news and it just you know I literally my stomach sank yeah yeah it it just was such a surreal moment and mm-hmm. I think I'm just now coming out of the surreal coma mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. in for the for the past week but also I'm in a much better place where. I am optimistic, as I think the word of the day from President Obama today. Um, I'm optimistic, and I'm hopeful that 
um, the byproduct of what we just saw happen with the election is going to be the extreme involvement of people locally to make sure that they are electing candidates who represent, you know, their interests on the local level. Mm -hmm. And then just being aware of what in the world is going on. happening. Right, right. You know, I think one of the the things that struck me... in this election is I never get so comfortable to believe that, you know, the American people, they just know who's good for them and who's not. Because I think, unfortunately, our uh, media is so fractured, our politics in some way are so fractured. And so unless you're doing direct um, connection with people and and going out and touching them where they are, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think to your point, Q, you know, we have a lot of work to do to get on the ground in people's faces where they are and show them why this policy works for them, why mm-hmm. this person is for them, and why somebody else isn't. No, exactly. I mean, look, the rubber hits the road on the ground. And, you know, we saw in President Obama's uh, press release or press um, conference this this week, he was just talking about, you know, look, you know, he didn't win Iowa because of demographics, right? right. He didn't, he wasn't just granted these wins because he was a great mm-hmm. orator. Mm-hmm. He actually worked really hard for it, right? Yeah. He went to every single county fair that he could go to. He was, you know, on the road constantly and, you know, he made a lot of sacrifices. And I think if we are going to get back to uh, really what I think elected Barack Obama in 08 and 2012, we, we got to get back to the grassroots in the communities, mm-hmm. um, at church picnics, you know, at community festivals, um, and not so much depending on TV and um, social media to do it. Right. We, we, we got to right. be on the ground. I, you yeah. know, I also think that, um, and, and, you know, a lot of what people said as far as the 2012 historic turnout that we saw, especially in the black community, that, oh, you know, people were upset about the voter restriction laws mm-hmm. and that motivated people to come out to vote. Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. But I think that we do ourselves a disservice if we think that opposition results in adequate outreach. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, just because people are, are upset something. or against yep. something, it doesn't mean that it will motivate them to the point where they will, you know, stand in line for hours to That's vote right. or they will That's get right. their neighbors to vote or they will even put a yard sign in their commute in, in, in their yard. And so I, I do think that's what happened this time, yeah. that the messaging was so much anti-Trump and it wasn't enough. This is why you should be pro-Hillary mm-hmm. or pro-Clinton. And, you know, people are talking about the black male vote being, you know, lower for Clinton than it was for Obama in 12. But yet 80% of black, you know, the frustration with that statistic is people are like, oh, well, 20% of black men. Yes, but 80% of black men came right. out. Exactly. Exactly. Versus 63% of white men. Yeah. And something like 53% uh, Latino. So it's just, I mean. It's yeah. Just so and, and to me, like. The key is women. I'm telling you, women run the world for real. Beyonce always, Beyonce always has it right. And and I just also hope that that an outcome of this election is that women see how powerful they are, not just in themselves, but to really, really turn out their entire community. Mm -hmm. So, what's the most frustrating narrative that you think has emerged from this election coverage um, that you would just squash instantly? 
For me, uh, it's this fascinating, you know, fascination, excuse me, with the white working class um, and how that's defined. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the challenge here is um, if you look at the economics of the argument, Hillary Clinton won voters who make $50,000 and less across every demographic, right? right. And so, you know, what is the white working class? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if you talk about some, you know, rural communities and the Rust Belt, that's a different conversation because Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. trade and everything Mm -hmm. else, right? But, like, this emergence of, oh, the Democrats got to figure out how to get white voters again. It's like, the Democrats haven't won white voters in over 50 years, (laughs) you know? So I don't know what that fascination is. I think the reality is we got to turn out our base. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And the the Democratic base turnout was not what we needed to be, not just because of white voters, right, but because of lower turnout in in Milwaukee, right? Right, Where we lost Wisconsin by 27,000 votes. votes. And I think in Milwaukee there were... 43,000 less voters from 2012 mm-hmm. in that one city. and so But there were also 300,000 voters who, because of the restrictive ID laws, were suppressed exactly. and didn't have the adequate information or identification to vote. So that's also part of the story. Exactly. Yeah. I kind of have two. One I won't elaborate on. Well, give us on. one before the break and you can okay. give us the second my, one after. Okay, <laughs> my, my, my quick one before the break is that uh, the 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 Clinton campaign and the Democratic Party did enough. Mm. Ooh, you gonna drop it like that? Can we drop it like that? Go into that when we come back from the break. This is Michelle Jawanda on the Leslie Marshall Show in studio with the dynamic duo Stephanie Brown James and Quentin James of Vested Strategies. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to the Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. Eight 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 six Leslie. All right, this is the Leslie Marshall Show with Michelle Jawando coming to you every Thursday from 3 to 4. Always great being with you. If you want to join in the conversation, give us a call, 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. I'm back with Stephanie Brown James and Quentin James. They are the founding partners of Vestige Strategies. Um, And Stephanie, of course, dropped a bomb before we went on break. So, Steph... Which, you know, and I said I had two points. And yes. so my, you know, my, my first narrative that I wish would, would go away, yeah. um, like I said before the break, is that the Democrats or the Clinton campaign did enough to outreach the voters mm-hmm. in, in key areas. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to elaborate because my second point is really important. And um, and that really is the power of young people and especially mm-hmm. young, young people of color. And. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how often we heard that young people were either diehard Bernie Sanders supporters or they just weren't going to vote at all Mm -hmm. or they didn't really they weren't really aware of the issues. We went to 10 college campuses, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as diverse as Tuskegee University to Harvard University Mm -hmm. and. The passion that these young people had and the knowledge that they had. Mm -hmm. I remember when we were at Tuskegee, actually, one of the young ladies said she was concerned because too too many too too many people or or there's too much 
uh, fake information mm-hmm. that is given online and how can they make sure that they're reading the right information like wow. they were saying we want to know the facts you right. know not right. just things that's going to get us excited or or whatever have you and so you know the, the the power of young people to literally shape how the next four years are going to look i think it's actually it's really really powerful yeah, yeah. but Cute. but you, you kind of threw me a, a alley-oop there so i, I re- appreciate i that. figured you were going uh, to you know uh, do that, i think it, it's not it i agree with you i think it also gets beyond just young people being aware and passionate and in the process young folks were actually kind of pissed off mm. um, from what i was hearing right and it was like you know whether or not you know you, you want to get in the conversation about the 94 crime bill or not, or what happened with Bernie Sanders and the Democratic Party, um, young folks felt unheard as well. And I that, think that was a part of them being pissed um, and why we probably didn't see as much um, kind of young voter turnout for our candidate um, than we could have. You know, mm. I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned around inclusion and listening and creating space for young people to be a part of the process. Because, um, again, I look back to my own personal experience got into politics eight years ago, right, on the Obama mm-hmm. campaign mm. as a young college student. And uh, what... Who dropped cam- out of school. Dropped out of school, right? But, like, what campaign would allow that but to happen? But he did graduate, yeah. He did graduate. But my point is, like, what campaign would allow that to happen in 2016? Yeah. Right? Was that a place for folks to, you know, come on board the, the Clinton campaign as a young college dropout? I, I, from what I saw, no, right? And so... Um, we got to learn from from that, I think, mm. mistake that we saw in this cycle, and that there wasn't enough space for young people to mm. lead and, and take a, a, a role in kind of making this process work for them. So that leads me to your next venture that um, my husband and I are proud to support the collective. Yes. Um, talking about building political power. So tell us what that is, especially as everybody is doing an autopsy on the progressive side, especially in the context of these DNC races. Is tell us what the collective is and what the goal really is. Exactly, yeah. So thank you very much, um, Michelle. So in July, we launched uh, the Collective PAC. Uh, we are a political action committee um, focused on building black political power, as you mentioned. Um, and it really kind of builds on what's happening right now within the Democratic Party and people saying we need more more uh, representation and inclusion. Um, you know, right now across the country, nine out of every 10 people who are in elected office are white. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just across the board. And so we can't talk about a, you know, a nation moving forward or all of us coming or together. A representative when, democracy. Um, mm-hmm. A representative democracy, right? When yeah. there is such a uh, lack and disparity in terms of people who represent um, our communities. And mm-hmm. so our focus for the next couple of years is to really to uh, recruit, train, and fund candidates to run mm-hmm. on a local, state, and federal level. Mm-hmm. Um, this cycle, we endorsed five candidates running for Congress, and four of them won. And so, uh, you know, coming in 2017, we'll have the largest uh, black caucus uh, in Congress in the history of the United States. And so a part of this work is breaking down walls, but showing young people, showing up professionals that, hey, your five, ten, twenty dollars a month um, can really build a movement to create change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you think about what what to do with all this energy and the protests and the frustration, exactly. you know, if we don't like who's in office, we got to get new ones. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, that, and that may be you. you yeah. know, that, yeah, that yeah. may be yeah. someone who feels like I'm very dedicated to the community, but I have no clue how to run for office mm-hmm. or what kind of support network do I have to do that? And so we want the collective to be um, 
to be that vehicle to help people who have a desire, who have experience, because experience actually does matter. It does. That's right. <laughs> when it comes to, and not, not just over. experience right. being an elected official, but experience, you know, professionally or whatever life, it may yeah. have you. Um, but but we want to to be that helpmate to give a little push to those who want to be of service to their community, um, but really need a partner to to get going. So how, you know, as we talk about how do we get going, you know, we're all parents in this room. Um, You know, what do you do tomorrow to make things better for your children with this new reality? I mean, the collective is a part of it, but what do you also say? What do you do? Um, Because I do think that there are a lot of listeners out there who look at, you know, white and black who are like, this is just unacceptable. And for me, I think the only hope, because I think adults in some ways are are, are beyond the point of helping them. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for us, it's like the little people. So what, what do you say? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with love, right, Mm -hmm. and and reinforcing love and reinforcing, um, you know, what I believe to be uh, American ideals um, of welcoming folks of of difference, even folks who may agree with Trump, you know, having a place to listen, um, even though you don't agree. Um, At the same time, I also will say, you know, I want to be an example to my children, to my child, uh, to not back down, Mm. you know, to not cower in the face of discrimination or racism or white supremacy or whatever it may be. Um, So I think it starts with love and starts with being bold and and, and being brave. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on the road um, as a couple because we do, I mean, we work together, we we pretty much do everything together, um, (laughs) which means that oftentimes both of us are away from home. We have a 13-month-year-old son, Carter. Who's actually Who is right so outside adorable. the door <laughs> watching mommy and daddy he do the radio show? And he's like, oh, it's just normal for my parents. To yeah, do and and we want that to be his norm, <laughs> where right. where he sees, okay, yeah, look, my parents have a voice, I have a voice, That's and right. I've realized being on the road so much that. The best thing I can do right now in my child's formative years is be there for him, mm-hmm. set a really good example, get him around people like Will and Michelle Jawando <laughs> and your beautiful babies um, to make sure that he is incubated within a community, like Quentin said, of, of love, but also of strength and of mm-hmm. courage and of um, pride, mm-hmm. um, not just, you know, pride to be this little black boy, but 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 pride to be an American. That's right. Um, I just am... I am so pro-American right now. Yeah. I really am. Like, I just feel like I I am the American dream. I am dream. America. I, I am America. Am America. My America. little boy is America. And this is the side of America that everyone should see and know and, 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 and respect. And so that's really, I think, what I'm on now. Oh, now I have a little bit more hope now again. See, this, is, this is why you have to invite your friends yeah, on the radio because they make you feel you better. You need to talk it out. And you, you know? do. And I yeah. think right now to all of our Leslie Marshall listeners over the weekend, talk it out. Spend time with your family and um, and your friends. Focus on love. Eat a lot of food. I'm going to overeat. I'm just letting everybody yeah, know. It's just yeah. going to be sure. disrespectful how much food I'm going to sure. eat. But uh, loving food. There's know? love in food. <laughs> Ooh, let them know. This is Michelle Jawando on the Leslie Marshall Show. Many thanks to my guests, Stephanie Brown James and Quentin James of Vesta Strategies. To everyone, it's always a pleasure. We'll be back. Take care. <laughs>